Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, for forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep the special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members who do not represent OA as a whole. Um, I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Michael. Thank you so much. Michael here, Compulsive Overeater, 100 Pounder. Hi, Michael. I want to show my picture. Um, can everyone see this? Yeah. This is me. Um, uh, that's in 2019. And this is me on, in 2020. I was at 340 pounds. I have since lost. This is actually March 13, 2020, right before the pandemic started, the day before uh, we, we went into lockdown. And. Um, I am now down 165 pounds. I lost 165 pounds in this program. And um, that's the smallest thing that's happened. That's the smallest of the miracles. Um, You know, I've been brought back to life. I really feel that. And I was at a meeting the other day, and I heard someone sharing, and I just was like, with the path that I was on, especially with the lockdown and the pandemic, it wasn't going to be pretty, guys. I was living in New York. I was binging. I ordered food. Um, I Actually, at that point, I wasn't necessarily binging. I had a few months of abstinence in this program. But my food was still big. I was still eating whatever I kind of wanted to eat. Three meals, two snacks, but I was just kind of eating um, my life at its most unmanageable, I'll just tell a quick, some quick uh, highlights or lowlights, I should say. Um, you know, I had water bottles all over the floor of my apartment because I didn't have the willingness to clean it up. I didn't really care. I didn't want to drink the tap water. And so I would have these Poland spring bottles just sort of covering my floor. I had um, takeout containers, trash, that I would just shove in my fridge because I didn't use the fridge for groceries. Um, everything was takeout, and I would, you know, I'd eat whatever. I would not necessarily eat the whole thing, but I would just put the rest of it in the fridge, and then when the fridge got too sort of overstuffed or when it started smelling weird, I would take the trash out. And that was just like, I just, I didn't think about it. I didn't think that that was weird. I didn't think, like, what is going on. Just kind of like, I don't care. I didn't quite care. And um, I remember early in the pandemic driving by... In L.A., so I'll tell that quick story, but I just remember driving by some fast food restaurants in L.A., and I was like, thank God that I, that's not me today, because I would be living in those drive throughs you know? I would be living in those drive throughs um, So, yeah, so the unmanageability was very unmanageable. Um, from the outside, my life was fabulous. I had a big personality. I was the funniest guy in the room. I was the big sort of, hey, how's it going? You know, let's do the whole thing. And, you know, and then I'd go home and be like, ugh, you, you piece of crap. You know, you're horrible. You're so fake. Whatever. And I don't think I was actually fake. I was very guarded. And I was like a little, a little sort of above it all. You know what I mean? I just didn't know how to... I didn't know how to be, I, didn't, I wasn't fake, but I didn't know how to be real. You know, I didn't know how to be real in who I was and who I am. 
I certainly wasn't interested in being of service, you know, when I was at a party. It was all about who do I need to meet, what do I need to do, how am I going to make this thing work out for me, right? Um, and I did care about other people, don't get me wrong. And at my heart, I did, in my deepest heart of hearts, I did care about other people, but I just wasn't... It was like I was a little disconnected from life, you know? I was like, I was like floating above life, slightly above, hovering above, you know, and um, never quite rooted. So, you know, I've been a compulsive... So I say all that to just underscore this point that I have been brought back to life, restored to sanity, you know, given a new chance to live. Um, because if I didn't have this program... When I, um, you know, when things went into lockdown, my, my way of dealing with things was to eat. You know, my way of dealing with, with things and unhappiness and, and discomfort was to eat, you know. And um, I never quite thought I would die, but I really, I, I can't say to you that I quite cared if I did, you know. It wasn't an active desire. It wasn't like I want to die, but it was kind of like I had this sort of sneaking suspicion in the back of my mind, like something could go wrong, you know? One day, my body might just give out. And I was kind of like, mm, all right, well, you know, if it happens, it happens, you know? And um, I don't live that way today. Today, I realize that I have so much to offer the world. And... Um, so yes, so I just wanted to say that up front. You know, I, I, I think I've talked enough about what it was like. I mean, we all sort of know it was not pleasant. I couldn't really, uh, I didn't really walk anywhere. I sort of either Ubered or, you know, beyond my means, by the way. It wasn't like I had tons of money, but I was Ubering, you know, from place to place. I didn't want to show up sweaty. I didn't want to show up um, feeling gross. I didn't want you to see me. I wanted you to see me in a very sort of curated, crafted way. Um, I couldn't buy clothes in a, in a regular store, you know, it, they didn't sell my size. And I was, I think at my top weight, I was 3X or 4X, depending on where you, where you sort of, where I was shopping. And, um, I just like, I couldn't, I, you know, I remember I found an, an, a men's big and tall store and I found that the clothes went to that size, and I started crying. I was like, oh, my God. Because before that, I'd worn black T-shirts. Black T-shirts with tank tops underneath to sort of cover, because the T-shirts would rise up. They would show my skin. And I was like, oh, my, oh my God, I'm going to be mortified if someone sees my skin. And I'm like, black is going to be slimming. They won't be able to tell that I'm fat, you know. And, um, you know, obviously those shirts were just kind of clinging onto every corner of, of me, and it, it was just, but that's all I knew. And when I started wearing colorful clothing, I was like, oh, my God, I can express myself with clothes. You know, I can actually express myself. Um, so, yes, life was not very pleasant. I came into program, and um, it took me a while to get the hang of things. It took me a while to get to understand what the program was about. It took me about a year of going to meetings. And... Um, you know, someone said to me, if all you do is go to meetings, that's, that's great. Just keep going. Keep going, you'll hear it. I was like, okay. I kept going to meetings. I was like, what does this abstinence mean? What does that mean? You know? I, I think what, you, what I have to sort of make clear is that for me, this was not a problem of three meals and two snacks. I was like, this is way beyond that. 
I'm special. I have to lose a thousand pounds. You guys don't understand. I don't know what you're talking about. Three meals and two snacks. I mean, that's like your thing, but that's not my thing. My thing is like I am. I have a thousand pounds to lose, and I've tried every diet in the book, and you, there's no one that can tell me anything, and it's hopeless, hopeless, hopeless. You know, and I was so sure of that, and I thought I was right about everything. You know what I mean? I had that syndrome of like you know, better than everyone, and also the the biggest piece of crap at the center of the universe. You know what I mean? So. Um, so this was an impossibility. This was an impossibility. I did not see a way out. But then I heard people sharing and saying that they'd lost a hundred pounds or more. I heard people sharing and saying that you know they um, they had n- they had not had fast food in over a year or in three years or five years or ten, twenty, thirty years. And I was like, I just never thought that was even a thing. I didn't. Th- I was like, I'm going to have to figure out how to do it in moderation. You know, moderation. That was my mother's favorite word. Um, you know, how are we going to do this in moderation? And um, I haven't had fast food in three years and four months. You know, I have not had fast food. That's a miracle to me. So let's talk about the miracles. So... One day at a time, one day at a time, slowly the willingness came. Slowly the understanding came. Slowly I was like, all right, these people said that it happened for them. So they they don't have any reason to lie to me, so it must be true. I'll just try. I'll just try to do what they're saying. And I was like, three meals, two snacks, that just sounds doable to me. I don't know how it's going to help. Again, I have a 1,000 pounds to lose. I don't know how it's going to help. But I'm willing to try it, okay? So I'm eating the three meals and the two snacks, and it's like, you know, and I said I can eat whatever I want at those meals, and I can have, you know, as big of a meal as whatever it is, but as long as it's a meal. And my sponsor was like, okay. And that's, that's how I did it for a few months, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm doing the three meals, I'm abstinent, but I'm still, you know, I don't understand. There were certain things that I took off of my, off of my plate, so to speak, um, you know, there were a few things immediately that I was like, that's a red light food, I'm not going to touch that. And fast food was one of them. But for other things, I was like, well, you know, certain cuisines, I was like, well, I'm not just going to put every cuisine on my red light. You know, that doesn't make, you know, every cuisine, it doesn't make sense. So, you know, um, but slowly one day at a time, and like, I just want to say, I kept sharing about that. How do I, how do I eat smaller meals? I don't understand. Three meals, like, it's, the meals are still big. And no one gave me an answer, by the way. No one gave me an answer. Everyone just said, just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. Go to meetings, share about it. I don't know. Like, no one said, try this, try that. And thank God, because, you know, I was never willing to listen to anyone. You know, everyone had a suggestion about how I should lose weight. Everyone had a suggestion about how I should live my life. And um, it was when I stopped, like, it was when I just, like, I don't know. There was a difference between the suggestions I got before program and the suggestions I got in program. I think it's also different because they're coming from people that have had the same experience that I've had. And I was just willing to do whatever. I, it was the last stop, you know. This was the last stop for me. I had tried every diet, Atkins, um, Weight Watchers. I would tried it all. And I guess those, you know, those are outside things. But nothing seemed to work. I did a juice cleanse. I did a juice cleanse, and then... That I finished the juice cleanse, two weeks. I did all juice, 
And then I went and had a big, fabulous steak dinner with, to celebrate, you know, to celebrate my juice cleanse and how well I did. I would steal the tokens from Weight Watchers, like basically their version of chips. I would steal them, and I would take them home. I was the youngest kid in Weight Watchers, and I would show them to my parents, like, look, I, I got a star. I got a star, you know. And they're like, this says five years, you know, you know. This was my, but I wanted the validation. I wanted the affirmation. I wanted the thing that said, you're doing a good job. Um, so, where am I today? Life is so, so far beyond anything I could have ever imagined. So far beyond. Um, I have this sense that, you know, there is no problem too big or too small for higher power, God, whatever you want to call it, to handle. You know, I did not have a God as a, as a child. I had a sort of loose relationship. Um, God was like an absent father. You know, I was kind of like, he'd show up every once in a while when I asked. And he did actually help when I asked. But it wasn't a really conscious thing. It was kind of like, I'm desperate, help me. And then I'd get help. And I was like, okay, that's a coincidence. You know, it wasn't really an active relationship. Um... Someone said, why don't you just define it for yourself in this program? Why don't you just define it? Write a wanted ad. You know, write down what are the qualities that you want in the higher power. And I was like, well, I guess if my synagogue, if that rabbi could define it in his way, and my parents could define it in their own way, and that's all just received, right? I'm just receiving it from them. Why can't I just, you know... Make it make my own version, right? Make my own conception. And again, people told me it worked for them. So I kind of like, you know, I just kind of designed it my own way. I said I want the loving higher power that can, that is big enough to handle these these questions. That's big enough to handle these issues. In OA twelve and twelve, it says in step three, you know, there's no problem too small, even food amounts. And I was like, why would God care about my food amounts? You know, why would He help me with that? That doesn't make any sense. And when I said that third step prayer, and it says in the book, you know, say it out loud, um, you know, God help me with these food amounts, you know, help me know what to eat today, help me know how to handle this meal. The guidance came in a really weird way. I can't explain it, but the guidance came. So the weight started coming. So I moved to LA. I moved from New York to LA. Again, that was a miracle. I did not have any plans to move to LA. My mother uh, said, it was the pandemic, she said, why don't you just come, come home for a month and we don't know what's gonna happen and just be, be here and she was, and I don't know why, but I just said yes. And I came and that was you know the end of my life in New York, basically. Um, I just kind of stayed in LA. And LA kind of gave me the space that I needed to really go deeper and the pandemic as tragic as it was and as sort of challenging as it was and is for many people, um, it, there were many blessings, many, many blessings, because I was in recovery for a short amount of time and I was willing to do the tools and I was willing to sort of work the program and the Zoom meetings and all of that. And, um, and I had now physical space. I had actual space to recover, you know, I was away from the city, which I loved. I loved New York City. It was very hustle and bustle. 
It was four o'clock this, there was a party here, there was a happy hour there, there was a, a dinner there, there was a show. And I loved that life. I loved being there. And the pandemic was like, slow your ass down. You know, we're going to slow down. And, um, okay. So, so yes, to talk about how I am today, what's happened today. This person that you're hearing speaking to you is not someone that you would have ever seen four years ago, period. You would have never seen him because I would have been up here, hey, how's it going, da-da-da-da, joke after joke after joke, and I can do that, right? And that's not letting you in. Like today, I'm just like, this is just me. This is me. I'm just trying to share what, I, what I've gotten because um, you got you to gotta give it away to keep it, you know? Um, did I want to come and share at a meeting? Not particularly, you know. <laughs> I would love to be doing other fabulous things on a Saturday night. <laughs> but my sponsor said, you know, I can't come. I can't do it. I've learned that when someone asks me to do service, I just say yes. And I had no better reason not to. My journey in the program has been deepening a relationship with the higher power, a loving voice that lives in me, right? Like, I've heard, you know, God is not something outside of me. It's something in me. It's, it's, it's still that, that small, still voice, right, in my mind. That voice can also be turned against me, and that's the voice of my disease. You know, that's the voice of my uh, addiction. It, they both sound like me, by the way. They both sound like me. Um, but over time, I have learned that anything that's unloving or unkind is not actually me. That's not actually me. That's just the voice of my disease that wants to make itself stronger, that wants to make itself, that wants, that wants to survive. It's that little part of me that is um, scared, scared to let go, scared, you know, wants some protection, wants some safety. And, you know, I have a different, I have a different source for my safety today. Um, and that's a loving God. You know, that's a loving higher power. If the word God doesn't, doesn't stick with you, pick another word. You know, it's just shorthand for me. Um, I just have this sense of the miraculous. I have this sense that everything is a miracle. You know, in the mornings I wake up, I get on my knees. You know, I'm a Jew. We don't get on our knees. But I heard in this program that it worked for people. It worked for someone. I'm willing to try it. I get on my knees. And, you know, at first it started as like one or two minutes, three minutes. You know, now it's like 15 minutes um, or whatever or more or less, you know, depending on what the needs of the day are. You know, I pray and I just ask, guide me today. You know, help me go where you would have me go. Do as you would have me do. Say what you would have me say and to whom. Um, by the way, I say that prayer when I go into uh, any, any situation, any work meeting, any party. I say, you know, God, help me be the person you would have me be today. Because it's a very fine line between the person I am now and the person I was before program. There's a very thin wall between those two identities. You know what I mean? If I'm not praying one day, I'm easily at risk of being that same guy that was going to shut you down or was going to say that catty thing, you know, or was going to be more interested in who else is in the room. You know what I mean? It's a very thin line. But if I prayed that morning 
And if I prayed the night before, those, I just, I don't know why. I find that if I haven't prayed the night before, even if I pray in the morning, my day is off. I don't know why. Again, three years ago, I was four years ago, I was not someone that was praying all the time. You know, I had fabulous days. I had horrible days. But now I just know. The jig is up, right? Like, if I don't pray the night before, I notice a, a, an actual difference in how I show up for a day. Uh, if I don't pray before I go into an event or a room, I'm very susceptible to that mindset that says, you know, what else is happening here? Or how can I make this, turn this event to my advantage? You know what I mean? Versus, right, I have a friend who, who is a politician. And we always talk about going into events. And his, and his thing is, well, I look up who's going to be in the room. And I know who's going to be there. And I know what their titles are. And I sort of, and he goes up and he says, hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm doing it. And this is what, you know. And my realization and program has been, if I do that, I'm in my crazy mind. I'm like, I don't know what, you know, I'm trying to make something happen. Meanwhile, over here, there's a whole miracle waiting for me that I'm not open to, that I'm not available to, that I'm not present for. So when I say, you know, I surrender, help me meet who you would have me meet. Help me do what you would have me do, you know. It's miraculous. I was at a fabulous, fun party. And I'm like, okay, who am I going to meet? And I'm going to find a man tonight. And I'm going to be the whole, I'm going to be the fabulous, the belle of the ball. And I have the outfit on and the whole thing. And I see a friend who's there. And I had said my prayers and the whole thing. And, and she was like, I said, how are you doing? She was like, you know, I'm good. I was like, mm-mm, something's, you know, something's off there. So I said, well, tell me, like, what's going on? She started telling me. And in the middle of this party, this fabulous, you know, event. She starts telling me about how she's dealing with depression and how she's, you know, disconnected from her faith and all of this stuff. And she's really feeling like she's in the middle of a cyclone, you know. And I shared my experience, strength, and hope, you know. And I shared what I know about the universe and what I know about miracles and what I know about prayer. And in the middle of this, and we talked for 45 minutes, and was there a voice that said, I'd rather be doing something else? A very small voice, like, mm, there's that cute guy over there. I could be... T-. But I was just like, okay, this is why I'm here tonight. You know what I mean? And, and she texted me the next day, and she said, you're an angel. You are literally an angel. And I don't say this story to be like, I'm an angel, and I'm fabulous. Um, you know, but I say it to say, like, that's different behavior for me. Because I could just be present with this person who is, by the way, just like me. Being in the rooms has given me this sense that, like, everyone out there could be someone that's in here. You know what I mean? I run into someone, they might be in here. They might be in another room. I don't know. And it's like, it's also kind of just taking the veil off of life in a way. Like, you know, you go to those, whatever, I keep talking about parties tonight for some reason, but you go to some, you know, you go to some event and you think, oh, this person has really, 10 minutes, this person has really made it. You know, this person has really got it going on. It's like, you know, maybe they do. Fabulous. At the end of the day, they're also just someone like me, and we're both, you know, trying to make it through. Um, I'll just share a couple more things and I'll take questions. You know, for me, I ask specifically for miracles. You know, when, I, when I'm on my knees in the morning and at night, I say, just show me a miracle here. 
you know, help me see the miracles that are already here. And I have found that when I ask for the miracle, it comes. A miracle, I've heard, is a change in perception, you know, from fear to love. Okay. So if a miracle is a change in my perception, it's like, I just need to see this differently. The room may not change. You know, the people in that situation may not change, but I will change. And I can't tell you how many situations there have been with coworkers, colleagues, family members who I say, I need a miracle. And I start seeing them differently. You know, I start, I'm more willing to give them grace, you know. Um, there's that feeling of like, well, that person really did it, you know, did one in on me and they're trying to screw me over and da 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 I'm like, okay, show me a miracle here. I surrender this. I can't do it on my own. That's another great prayer, you know. I can't do this on my own. Help me. Help. Very simple prayer. One word, help. You know. And I, if I ask sincerely, the help comes. Sometimes I'll get on my knees in the middle of like, you know, a conference room. In the middle of a, you know, busy pavilion. I mean, probably not the, the greatest place to be seen on your knees. But it's like, you know, people are like, what are you doing? But like, you know, I went to the OA conference, the OA birthday. I got on my knees with someone in the middle of the Hilton lobby. And we were just like, in a moment of just desperation together, just sharing this moment like, hey, God, help. You know, enter here. Enter here where you already are. You know, show me something different here. Um, I'll say one more thing about just kind of my feelings about myself which have also changed, and my feelings about my family members. You know, I avoided speaking to my father for two years. Um, he would call me, text me every day, you know, every other day. I would respond selectively. You know, I just didn't want to deal with it. I felt like I had too much. I just, I just was, it wasn't out of animosity, but it was just kind of like, I'm recovered, I'm in, I'm in recovery. I, I've already seen the patterns, and I don't want to be living, with, you know, in your shit, you know. I made amends to him recently, nine step. You know, my amends, I said, I'm sorry for being withdrawn and avoidant and not responding, you know. And one day at a time, I'm doing my best to respond to his texts. I'm, you know, I saw him, we caught up, you know, after two years. And I'm hopeful that there will be a relationship there. You know, my mother, same deal. I've been in touch with her, but um, we've, had, we've had our own baggage. We've had our own stuff. And I made amends to her, same deal, being avoidant, withdrawn, being very reactive. She'll say something very small, and that was the history with the weight. You know, she'd say, don't eat that. You know, don't put that down. Save some for other people. And, like, all of those little sort of micro things built up. And I was just like, she would just say, how's your day going? I'm like, it's fine, Mom. It's fine. The day is fine, you know. And one day at a time, it's taken a lot of work. It's a work in progress. But I'm like, it's fine, Mom. I'm good. How are you? You know, I can respond to her text. I can be a different person. Um, those are miracles, you know. I did an event recently, another event. Um, I, did, I did an event. This is a professional event that I, I did for my, you know, I, I put on. After the event, I was like, everyone said to me, oh, my God, that went so well. Congratulations, that was fabulous. You did such a great job. And my patterning is, you sucked. Oh, that was horrible. 
And I went home, and this was a different time, because I started journaling about it, and thank God I did, tool of the program. You know, I have to write that stuff. That even with four years, three years of recovery, whether three years, four months, I write it down. And what I got very clearly, and in my prayer, I said, God, how did that go? And what I received was, it was a smashing success. That's what I received. But that's not what was in my head three minutes prior. Three minutes prior, it was, you're shit. You didn't do a good job. That was a, you, great, you know, you blew up your whole thing. And it was like, what a difference, right? From those two things. Again, it's a very thin line between my thinking and the thinking of my higher power. I have to be vigilant about connecting with that source. Otherwise, I'm right there. You know, I'm right back there where I was before. Um, and the miracle for today is I see that and I say, okay, what are the defects that are coming up? Self-loathing, self-pity, self-blame, you know, smallness, you know, thinking small. And I heard another beautiful quote. You know, my playing small does not serve the world. You know, I go into a room today, I know I'm a child of God. I have a lot to offer this room. And not in a like self-help guru kind of way. I'm not going to go in like, hey, how do you want a pamphlet? You know, but it's like, I do have a lot to offer. And that might be some advice. That might just be a fun conversation. It might be something. But I pray and I just ask, you guide me. I can't do it alone. Help me do it. And then miracles happen. The miracles are guaranteed. I lost 165 pounds, 10 pounds a month, basically. I didn't plan it. All I did was eat three meals a day, and two snacks. And yes, at one point I met with a nutritionist twice. She said, this is what a plate looks like. Okay, that was helpful, because I didn't know. I'm like, oh, I should eat like a cup of granola for breakfast. That's a breakfast. I didn't eat breakfast before this. I asked people for advice. One day at a time, slowly, slowly, I got, I got the wisdom. I got the, the knowledge that I needed. The impossible became possible, you know, the weight came off, and then I was like, well, if that could happen, what else is possible? What else is possible for me? Um, and again, life is so far beyond. I mean, I can wear clothes today from a regular store. I can go for a walk out on the street. I don't have to Uber. I don't sweat. I, um, I can, you know, show up for life on life's terms. I don't have to be hungover from food the last night. I don't wake up at 3 in the afternoon. Um, you know, beyond my wildest dreams. So, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Michael. I was wondering, um, have you ever had any experiences of encountering people from your past who may have um, said that that low, that self-loathing, that low self-worth? And um, if so, can you talk about experiences of how you handled those situations with those kinds of people? Yes. How did I experience people? Have I experienced people from my past that brought up my low self-esteem, low self-worth? Um, in many of those cases, and how did I deal with them? Many of those cases, I had to do a four-step, and I realized I had a part to play in those relationships. Um, not all. You know, sometimes someone was just really sort of harsh. What was interesting was I made a nine-step amends to one of those people from a work, a work setting. And she was like, you know, that's really amazing that you did that. And she said, I held your weight against you. She said, I had my own internalized thing about weight, and she was very small. And she said, I, I judged you for it. What an, what an admission to make, you know? I made amends to someone recently who I thought we were sworn enemies. 
Multi, couple, two, two people. It wasn't you know major, but I just really felt like I will never speak to this person. I'm sure they'd rather have me dead. Um, I ran into one of them miraculously at a bar. I wasn't able to get in touch with him before. I find when I'm in the ninth step, these people just pop up. Um, I made amends. He was like totally gracious. Um, how do I deal with those people? I extend the grace that I, I hope I am extended. I extend the grace that has been extended me from the people in this program, from God, from higher power. And, you know, if they can't receive that, that's on them. Um, the other person who, again, I thought was a sworn enemy, um, he was like, I forgive you. And I apologize for my actions. I'm not proud of the way I behaved in that instance either. Um, it's all grace, you know. It's all grace. One more question, maybe? Thank you so much. Uh, when you're having a conversation, not that this ever happens to you, but when you're having a conversation and you realize you might be an ego, it might be more about you than the other person, how do you switch over and get on the other person and be of service and allow God to come in? How do I allow God to come in if I feel like I'm in a conversation and I'm stuck in ego or I'm stuck in my own crazy thinking? Well, that's a tough one. I mean, it's, you know... Ideally, I've prayed before that conversation. Sometimes I do pray in the middle of a conversation, and I just say, put the words in my mouth, you know, just very quickly, like, help me, you know. Um, sometimes I need to pause, step away from that conversation. Um, but it's okay, yeah, I think it's, it's okay to step away for a minute and, um, and say, I'll get back to you on that, you know. I'll get back to you. Or let's sort of reconnect or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Um, and then the other thing I would say is just like, God gives me chances to start over. If I didn't get it right in that conversation, it's okay. I'm not a bad person. You know, I'm not, I'm not a piece of crap just because I didn't get it right. You know, I'm not always going to get it right. I know now in program, I'm going to have to make an amends or I'm going to have to show up differently. Um, yeah. I think that's... That's kind of how I deal with it, is just constantly sort of checking in with myself. How did I do today? You know, we're at time. Thank you so much.